you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Just going to read a few verses from there. Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 3. We'll read down to verse 8 and then we'll skip down toward the end of the chapter. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They were concerned about the end of the world. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And then over to verse 32, or down to verse 32. Verse 32 says, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I don't know if you remember where you were on September the 11th of 2001, 10 years ago today, but I do. Uh, I sat down in my living room with, with a cup of coffee and I turned on the TV and I thought, like, what is this? What is going on? And as I sat there and watched and I was just, absolutely thunderstruck that that was actually happening. And even the streets of Nippon, I remember, were strangely quiet that morning as people in town re remained glued to their TVs and their radios. Both of my adult daughters called home because they were frightened. Most of us probably felt a strange sense of unease as we somehow realized that this event is going to change our world, and it did change our world. Somehow we had come to believe that major acts of terrorism happened somewhere overseas. After all, we're safe in Canada and the United States. But it was an event that will not be quickly forgotten. I felt back then that we were standing at the threshold of some exciting times and I hope that we're closer now than we've ever been before to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The previous winter, still picking, our, our bluegrass group had gone out to play at a carol festival in, in, in Choiceland. And the speaker that year, um, the, the, the pastor who gave the message at the Choiceland Carol Festival talked about uh, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and talked about his Christ's return in light of his first coming. And basically his message was, if Christ came once, he is surely coming again, and he will come in a different way than he ever did. And afterwards, the chairman of that program uh, stood up and said, thank you, Pastor, for that uh, interesting yet strangely disturbing message. 
And maybe that's what we felt when we saw the events of 9-11 in 2001. There's a tendency to react in fear, and yet for the believer, I don't think we need to be afraid. We need to remember, we need to be cautious, we need to be aware of what is going on, but we don't need to be afraid. And I think there are some key facts that you and I need to remember to help us to believe that God is still in control. No matter what happens, God is still in control. He has the destiny, your destiny, my destiny, the destiny of Canada, the United States, Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, Al-Qaeda, all these things. God is in control regardless of what happens. So let me give you some key facts. The American president at the time, George W. Bush, said there was one of the things he said uh, as a result or on that day of 9-11, this reminds us that there is great evil in this world, and that is true. There was the hijacking and murder and suicide and deliberate bombing of the World Trade Center. The Pentagon and the White House was a target as well. And it was and it still is difficult to believe that people could actually plan to carry out those events. It's easy to accept someone who, who commits murder in a rage or who does something when they're under the influence of, uh, of alcohol or drugs. Uh, when Kathy and I were on holidays at Greenwater, uh, somebody was under the influence of something and at 5.30 tried to break into my house and broke the front, uh, one of the windows in, in our front door and the neighbors called the police. And uh, The beautiful thing about living in a small town is that the policeman who answered the call says, uh, well, this is, you know, like there's no one here. He checked out the house, but he said, it's, a, it's one of the police officers with whom I play hockey. Well, he said, well, this is Bill's house. And where's Bill? Well, I don't know where Bill is, but I know Bill's son-in-law, so let's call him. And, and so, you know, my son-in-law got in touch with us. And that's a beautiful thing about living in a small town. Personalized service. But it's easy to understand someone who's under the influence of, uh, of something, some mind-altering state. It's easy to accept war between the militaries of two opposing nations. And there are, there are wars. The Second World War had horrendous casualty figures. Uh, there was the American Civil War. All kinds more people ever died there. There is the reality of personal disaster. There is the drunken driver who kills and maims and cripples and young family. There is the pervert who preys on and destroys boys and girls and women. And by the way, uh, my wife called me this morning and that little boy that's been missing in B.C. was safely returned home at 3 o'clock this morning. So I don't know what the details of that, but we can be certainly be grateful for that. There are natural disasters, and we can understand some of those things. But the reality is that all of creation has been affected by sin and longs to be set free. But there is also the reality of spiritual conflict. We have an enemy in this world, and his name is Satan. And his, his aim, his goal is to destroy us, to destroy the church of Jesus Christ, to destroy individual believers. There is a war that is going on all around us. The dark side is not a figment of someone's fertile imagination, but it's a grim reality that most Christians would rather not face and experience. And from the Old Testament through the New Testament to the reality of today and tomorrow, uh, there have been 
people who have been persecuted. The Jews were persecuted by foreign nations. Christians were persecuted by the world like Roman emperors. In the 11th century, the Crusaders killed Jews and Muslims alike. Protestants were persecuted and, and executed by the Roman Catholics. And then the Protestants, in turn, persecuted the Anabaptists. Uh, the Protestants and Catholics uh, were still shooting and blowing up each other in Ireland. And Baptists, by the way, are guilty of some of the worst forms of bigotry, racism, and self-righteousness. But there are people in this world, people who follow the teachings of Islam, who believe it's their God-ordained right, their God-ordained duty to fight a holy war, a jihad, against Western worldliness and decadence. There are people in this world who hate you and me just because we live where we live and we do what we do. And because of its affluence, its immorality, and its support of Israel, America has become the epitome of all that stands opposed to fundamentalist Islam, and the taking of thousands of lives is now considered to be not only permitted, but a God-given duty to those who are spiritual. And I wonder who's behind all of that. And because you and I are neighbors to the United States, because you and I stand with the United States in our support of Israel, because our nation supports Israel, you and I are in the line of fire uh, as well. And our prime minister said just this past week that radical Islam is probably one of the greatest threats that Canada faces. And I wonder who is behind it all. There is great evil in this world, but God has even evil under his control. The battle was begun thousands of years ago. We recognize that Satan was an enemy of God, that he fell from heaven. We understand from reading Revelation that almost a third of heaven's angels fell with Satan. And there's a battle. There are two sides in this world. There is God, the side of good, and there is the side of evil. Creation was spoiled. And when we read about Satan in Scripture, when we read about uh, in Job chapters 1 and 2, I just read for you a little snippet out of those chapters, but in those chapters we're, we learn that Satan has control over nations, he has control over nature, and he has control over people. But it's all limited by God. And so we are left with questions. We ask ourselves, why does a God who is love allow these to happen, these things to happen? What was a surprise to us on September 11th of 2001 was no surprise to God. There were weddings and funerals and celebrations and promotions, all kinds of things that were upset that day. And you may ask yourself, how can something so evil, where so many people die, turn out for good? And eternity may have the answers, or maybe in eternity the questions will no longer matter. I said to Brian and his daughters yesterday as we were stuccoing in the dark, while I was wandering around, I was the gopher, they were doing the stuccoing. And I said, you know, we're going to sit around in heaven someday and talk about this. And Brian said, you know, by the time we get to heaven, I don't think it's going to matter how late we work on this church building. And I think he's right. But if God takes care of his people, why were some of them killed by terrorists? There were good Christian people that died that day. And the reality is that all of us have sinned and deserve to die. 
But God has even evil. There is great evil in this world. God has even evil. Even, God has even evil under his control. And thirdly, we need to recognize that good will ultimately triumph over evil. God has an agenda for world events. And the reality is what when you read your Bibles, things are going to get worse before they will get better. A one-world government and a one-world monetary system will be a welcome solution, not a punitive imposition. I believe that we are standing at the threshold of great things. I don't know what the next 10 years will bring, but I know God has it under control. When you read your Bibles, you realize that God's judgments before Christ's return will be unprecedented in their severity and in their effects. Look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21. Jesus said, For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If what we have seen is bad, what we are going to see or what we could see will be worse. And Christ's rule will be imposed by force over an unwilling people. God will ultimately triumph. And so how do we respond to this? Well, how do we as Christians respond to disaster and to terrorism? I think, first of all, we need to be careful of bigotry and the hatred of Muslims. We need to be careful of the self-righteous condemnation of others. We will say, well, we're a Christian nation, and, you know, God is going to protect us, but God loves us and God favors us. And we need to recognize that we're not immune to these things. We need to be careful of bigotry and hatred. We need to recognize that not every Muslim is an extremist. On the other hand, we need to recognize that there is one God and one God alone. We know who he is and his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And he's either telling the truth or he's not telling the truth. And that's a decision that we have to make. When Islam says there is one God and Allah is his pro or Muhammad is his prophet, we need to recognize that biblically they're wrong. But I think you and I need to watch with fascination and expectation. Are we witnessing, have we witnessed the beginning of birth pains? I know that previous wars have been bigger and worse, but the reality is nothing like this up until September 11, 2001 had never ever happened before. Are these the beginning of birth pains? I don't know. I'm going to stand back and watch. We also need to remember to keep busy doing the master's work. The parables that follow Jesus' answers, uh, Christ's answers, the disciples said, when will this happen? And, and what's it going to look like? And, and so Jesus told them. But then he gave them a couple of parables, the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents. And, and the whole point of those things is keep busy doing what God has given you to do. Don't bother sitting in a corner. Don't sit there and be confused and be terrified and, and become ineffective. Keep doing what you're doing. We need to trust in God and his sovereign care. Christ's words, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And we can face the future confidently. 
His words will be fulfilled, and faith demands that we trust God in spite of the circumstances. And another thing that you and I need to do is we, we must be careful that we're not laying up treasures on earth, that we're laying up treasures in heaven. Instead, develop an eternal perspective on life and death. Bright is the hope for tomorrow, but dark is the future of this world. I spoke to a man this week, and he was telling me, uh, I met a man, never met him before, and he was telling me about about uh, all the stuff that he had and, and some of the close brushes that he had had with death. And then he was telling me about his brother who had had even more stuff than, than he did. And, and his brother was killed in, in an accident. And, and uh, so he had himself had seen a, a good slice of life. He and I had both been involved in logging. He'd had a bad accident in logging, almost got killed. His brother got killed. And I said, boy, you've seen a lot of life. And, and he said, yes, I have. And I said, are, are, you know, like, and, and you've been close to death. I said, are you ready to die? He said, well, I think I am. Like, like, you know, yeah, I think I'm ready to die. And so then I mentioned the Bible and the fact, you know, how the Bible teaches us that we can know that we have eternal life. And he literally went like this and he said, I'm not interested. And he ran away. He literally ran away. You know, you and I need to develop uh, an eternal perspective on life. And I, I thought, how sad. Like, like, you know, should I have done that? I was visiting another friend, and maybe I overstepped my boundaries, but I'd never met this man before. And I thought, you know, like, I may never get to talk to him again, so I'm going to just put that ahead of him. And he said, like, stop. I'm not interested. But in light of all these things, we need to remember that there's an eternity that is waiting not only for us, but that is waiting for everyone else as well. So, did the world change 10 years ago? Probably. Could we be heading for more war? Maybe. Is God still in control? Definitely. Do we need to be afraid? Perhaps. It's natural to be afraid. Yesterday, last night, as, as, as we were working on we, I keep saying we, uh, I was on the ground doing safe stuff. And Brian was coming off the highest point of the scaffold on this building. And, and he kind of whoopsed. And, and you, you remember that? And this, this surge of adrenaline just went through him. And, and Brian says, whew, <laughs> you know, that, was, that, was, that was really something. You know, and, and sometimes you don't have a choice over whether or not you're going to be afraid. Like that was, that was Instant reaction. Do we need to be, will we be afraid? Probably, you know, if something like that happens to us, we'll probably be afraid. It's a natural reaction to being threatened. Can we face the future with confidence? Yes. Surely the Bible is still true, and Christ will return for the final victory over evil. Will Christians need to suffer? Maybe. If Muslims initiate a holy war against Christianity, and the supporters of Israel, then we will be on the receiving end of their anger. And it is no secret that radical Islam's goal is not just to coexist with Israel, but to exterminate Israel. And if you and I are going to stand with Israel as God's people, as the apple of God's eye, then you and I are going to come up against enemies. They are going to react against us. However, our task is to trust in God and to keep busy doing his work. So let me encourage you to keep the faith. I'm going to show a video for you, and after that, we're going to close in prayer.
bigger guy. Even though the events of 9-11 took place long ago, most of us can still recall them like it was yesterday. Some, more than others, are still feeling the effects and the pain. On this day, we remember all those who lost their lives and their loved ones to this terrible tragedy. We lift up their families and their friends and ask for strength, peace, and comfort. We also remember and honor those heroes who stepped in to help, to save, to serve. And we will never forget those who gave their lives for the noble cause of rescuing others. We are forever grateful and pray blessing and comfort over their families. We pray for the spirit of unity to revisit our nation, the unity we felt in the midst of our struggles and our confusion. We pray that our citizens would look to God for wisdom and guidance, just as many did during that time of uncertainty. But most of all, we pray for the swift return of our Savior, who will one day put an end to all tragedies and to all tears. We love you. And we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's stand for prayer. Father, thank you that in the midst of tragedy, uncertainty, and seeming defeat, that you are still in control. And Father, together we stand here and we affirm our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We affirm our confidence in you, Lord God Almighty. And together we stand against the schemes of the enemy. Father, we recognize that you have all the power, that you have all the wisdom, and we submit ourselves to you and to your will and to your design for our lives, for our future, for our country, for Israel, and for the United States. Lord, bless us, we pray. Give us the strength to stand. Give us the strength to be gracious. Give us the strength to be light and beacons in a dark world. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.